meditation retreat until day before yesterday at the monastery. And the day before the last day of the retreat, there was an amazing rainstorm. It started to rain and it grew and it grew and it grew until it was this thunderous cacophony of rain. It was really hammering on the rooftop and rain was running down the windows of the meditation hall and rivulets that reflected the light. It was so incredibly beautiful. The birds stopped singing and all there was was the sound of the rain. Millions and millions and millions of drops of water falling. On the break, I looked out through the Zendo windows and you couldn't see the forest on the other side of the field. The rain was thick like a fog. It fell and fell and fell and fell and fell. And we just sat there so still. 25 white and black clad Zen students and me and my, my bright red Tibetan robes. We just sat still as a song, soaking it up. There's really no other sound in the zendo then. Occasionally somebody would move a tiny little bit. Soft sound of fabric, rustling, breathing sometimes, or a little cough. Except for one sound. In the middle of that room, for the first time on retreat, there was a projector. And that projector made a huge noise. It also spewed out light enough to make you blink and blink and blink and blink and blink and blink and blink. It was really, to be honest, annoying. Except for one thing, and that's that it was projecting the image of 45 people who had joined us on retreat. 45 people from three countries who could not have been there without that set up for inviting them into the meditation hall through technology. It was amazing. They were transported. Sometimes I would look at that projector and I would see the beam of light coming out and you could see right at the source of the projector the colors of the images of those 45 people. It was so beautiful the way that they were projected on the screen, the way that they were transported from wherever they were onto that screen right in the middle of the sitting hall. It seemed almost like a miracle. And yet, of course, we, we transport people all the time. We just think of them, and suddenly there they are in our mind. People we like people we work with, people we don't like, people we miss in the time of the pandemic, people who died years ago. We invoke them with our imagination and they show up and we see them. In fact, the way that I see people in my mind is more clear than I could see them on the screen from the projector. And I don't know about you, but when I transport people into my mind, I often have a conversation with them. I imagine something I wish that I would have said or something I'd like to say. And for a very long time in my life, I would replay arguments over and over and over in my head in the day and in the night. I would replay an argument that I had or wanted to have 
until I'd won the argument in some sort of a righteous and dignified and elegant victory where I was morally correct and on firm ground. I mean, if we could see the thought bubbles above people's heads in the meditation hall or anywhere else at work or on the sidewalk, we'd know we are all just a little bit crazy. We talk to ourselves like mad people. I think it's interesting when I think about this, you can live most of your life like that in your head. But there is an option actually that you can begin to train the mind to let go of those conversations that go nowhere except around in circles in your head and maybe into your heart and into your body. Certainly no one else hears them. We know those conversations are fake. We know that, and we know that that argument that we're replaying where we finally have come up with the right way to say the thing we wanted to say or that last conversation at the end of our divorce <clears throat> that we've replayed until we know exactly what we want our last words to be, we know that those are fake. They're not real. And they play out in this... Um, unproductive background anxiety that we always carry as human beings. We have some mechanism, some egoistic mechanism that tells us if you're going to survive, you have to be better and stronger and more intelligent than everyone else. You have to be more beautiful. You have to have more toys. You have to do this and that and this and that. And so from the moment we get up until the moment we go to bed at night, we are defining and enlarging and defending our personal territory. So this ego, you know, it's trying to protect us, but in this really misguided way. It's our imperative. It's the self-cherishing imperative. It's exhausting. It's harmful. It's the enemy of actual ease. And the truth is, we don't have to do that. We can stop. So the question is, how do we train the mind to see those conversations when they rise and to cut them and to do something different? And for this, we have a practice in Buddhism called calm abiding. It's also known as shine and shamatha. It's all the same thing, calm abiding, shine and shamatha. So in this calm abiding practice, you can learn to see the mind cooking up a conversation like this and you can stop it before it even gets started. Or you can catch yourself midway through a conversation like that and you can say, you know what, this isn't actually a real conversation. This is a dream of some kind. You can take this, uh, what I think of as the the bright sword of wisdom in, in Tibetan iconography. It's often a flaming sword. And you can cut right through a full-blown argument happening in your mind. And after a thousand replays of that argument spread across decades, you can actually just let it go. And when you let it go, you can establish yourself in what's happening right now, right here, what's true. You can pay attention to what's right in front of your nose. You can get back into your body and start living the life you're actually having rather than this dream, this 
mad persons, insane rantings that actually go nowhere. They're for no one. So this meditation, Calm Abiding, is actually quite simple. It takes some time, like all things do, to get your brain around it and to learn how to do it. But I'll give you the instructions right now, and you can practice this. Practice it for a minute or five minutes or ten minutes or whatever makes you feel good. And gradually work your way up, maybe once a day for 20, 25 minutes, 30 minutes. In the beginning, it takes some discipline, you know, to do a meditation practice because there are so many things, including sleep, that compete for our time. But after some time, it feels so good to do this meditation, to inject this little bit of sanity into your life that it won't take discipline at that time. It will be the thing that you do for yourself, like exercise or listening to music. It'll be something that you feel more whole and more sane if you're doing. So at that point, the need for discipline, for practice, goes away. And one of the things that I love about shamatha meditation or calm abiding is that we invest this time in learning how to do it. And that takes some time. I mean, you'll get by the end of these instructions exactly how it's done, but it just takes some time to integrate that understanding into actual experience. It's like riding a bike, you know. You can understand after five minutes the basic mechanical experience of riding a bike. But of course, it takes a while to get good at it. Meditation's just like that. But the great thing is then that having spent that time to learn to meditate, you have that resource of being able to sit down in meditation for the rest of your life. And that really is uh, a wonderful resource to have. When you do this meditation, what's good about it is that it's simple, it's refreshing, it's energizing, it's calming, soothing. It's so intimate. It's so awake. It gives you a tool for reclaiming the life that you actually have, not the fantasy life that you heard about from someone else or you saw in the media somewhere, but the life that actually is yours, that's right there, right now. So let's go through this meditation. It's really pretty easy. You can begin with settling. And by that, I mean just let go of whatever else you're doing and situate yourself sitting down or lying down comfortably. And it's helpful as a matter of habit if the spine is straight but relaxed. And this is just a support for clarity. And also if the spine is crooked backward or forward, there's a tendency the spine is forward to have an active mind. And if it's backward, there's a tendency to fall asleep. So you can experiment with this. See how it works for your body. But the most important thing is just to relax. So I always take a little bit of time at the beginning of a calm abiding session just to let go of whatever came before a conversation or some work and to just rest a minute in the body 
Sometimes it's the first time I've checked in with my body all day. And so I start at the top of the head and I just let awareness drift down through the body. And I let go of whatever tension I find there. And I go all the way down through the body to the feet. And it usually takes two or three cycles of this head to toe to find the holding. And I spend extra time on places where my body holds tension. So in my face, around my eyes or around my mouth, my neck and shoulders, because I sit a lot each day. Over time, you'll get to know where you hold tension and you can go slowly and carefully and lovingly through those parts of your body, allowing it to soften and relax. Once you've done that, then see if you can find your breathing. I usually focus on the breathing, the rising and the falling of the belly, because it's calming to do that and the breath is so obviously there and so you just put your attention on the breath it's very light-handed you don't clench the attention on the breath but you rest it there like a feather think of a baby breathing so light and gentle your breathing can just be however it is. Maybe you have big full breath. Maybe your breaths are small and shallow. Really, whatever it is, is perfect. You don't want to manipulate the breath at all. That would be practicing control. You just want to let the breath be. Sometimes you can read in a text it says, let the breath breathe you. So be guided by the breath. And you're just noticing it. What I mean by noticing is that your awareness is on the breath at the beginning of the breath. And the middle of the breath. All the way through till the end. And then right at the end of the breath, there's this pause which is not the out breath but it's also not the in breath yet and you want to notice that pause as well it's quite important in meditation and you just let the breath be and you notice it and then because we're human and because our minds are sometimes very busy Sooner or later, you will be distracted. A thought will come up and carry you away, or you'll have a memory, or one of those crazy conversations in your head. And you just notice that distraction. Like the moment that you notice it, you're awake. And so, no judgment, no commentary. You just bring the mind back to the breath, and you place it there with intention to stay on the breath again. And once it is 
smoothly riding the breath again. You just let go and relax. And it doesn't matter if you do that one time or 1,000 times during your meditation period. It really doesn't. I'm not just saying that because this is a beginning interest introduction, but I'm saying it because it's true. It's not important. You have no control over how many times the breath is interrupted. Your attending to the breath is interrupted by a distraction. No control whatsoever. But what you do have control over is at the moment that you notice it, what do you do? Do you follow the distraction or do you come back to the breath? So every time with a kind of small amount of intention and discipline, put awareness back on the breath. And you just continue that and all kinds of things will arise in the space of mind. Sounds, smells, conversations, memories, dreams, everything can arise in the space of mind. That's one of its qualities. And you just watch something like watching a play on a stage. No analysis, no deciding, no conclusions. You're just observing. And no matter what your meditation session is like when it's finished, then you just take a few moments, put your mind really clearly on the breath and rest right there with your own breath in that very beautiful presence which is you getting to know your mind, you being face-to-face with the intimate truth of your life right in this very moment. That's it. So maybe now you can turn this off and give this a try.